Radio TRO is in search of sponsors. Sponsors get a detailed product mention at the beginning of every episode in our catalog. You can submit your own advertisement or we can read one for you. Visit email.tro.bike and contact us directly to learn more. Hey folks, Maggie Dean here, just reaching out to tell you about a couple of great tours we have coming up. One is for the newbies and the other for the seasoned curve carvers. If you're new to motorcycle touring, check out the LMCT, Lake Michigan Circle Tour, which takes place from Sunday, July 14th to Saturday, July 20th. It's a beginner-friendly scenic bike tour around Lake Michigan with all the planning and organizing done for you. It's ideal for couples, three-wheel riders, and small groups. It offers a balanced mix of fun curves, beautiful scenery, and rest stops. If you've always wanted to go on a small group motorcycle tour but have yet to do so, this tour is for you. And for all you rabid twisty travelers, check out TRO's Wisco Disco Tour. Based in Wisconsin, this tour is perfect for experienced riders visiting as much of the Driftless area as possible over three days. Our well-vetted routes are pre-planned, so just take the time off and join us. It's a great opportunity to ride in an intimate setting away from the solo digital world. Tiro's Wisco Disco Tour launches Wednesday, August 7th, and concludes Sunday, August 11th. Again, that's two tours approaching. Visit tiro.bike, mouse over events, and select group tours to learn more. Hello, everybody. This is Travis Burleson. I'm Robin Dean. And this is the RidingObsession.com podcast. you robin what do you uh, have going on this month there's so much to talk about I- i'm really trying to figure out a way not to make this podcast overrun with information um so if you need to cut me off please do but our very first guided tour is approaching we're going to be riding nine days through indiana kentucky tennessee north carolina west virginia and ohio so i'm really excited about that we've been going through a lot of motions to prepare the business to make that possible And after this big trip, uh, I'll be leading some smaller tours around uh, Wisconsin and various other locations. Some are day trips, some are weekenders, some are long distance. So we'll see. Got the Street Triple R upgraded for the wife since she wanted to do the long distance touring as well. I installed a SAE USB adapter. Basically runs from SAE ports to USB so I can both charge the battery and plug the phone into that. There's an article about it on the site, so look for that. Got a new Fiam horn on there, a low tone, much better than the high tone. If you're going to replace your horn on your motorcycle, replace it with the low tone Fiam, if not an air horn, just because they're more intimidating. And got the Michelin Pilot Road 4s on there, so she's good and sticky and rides like a skate. I prepared the Bandit with new tires as well. Got some new gel grips and Also had to pull my headlamp apart for the second time. It was a hassle, but I had broken my headlamp reflector, so I replaced it. And while I had the whole front end taken apart, I decided to remove all of the weather sealer that I had used, the adhesive weather sealing tape to uh, stop the sound of vibrations coming off the plastics. And I replaced all that with a smattering, just just a blob of RTV silicone everywhere. So should be no no vibrations. 
So if you uh, see Robin's bike for sale, <laughs> you can thank him for that mess. Uh, first step is to carve away the way. And it seems like I've gotten rid of the Hawk GT backfire. I went over to, uh, if you look up on the site, we have a resident author, Joe Conrardi. He invited me to his house to get down to the bottom of this backfire. And it turns out that the carburetors were rich. The previous owner, P.O., had pulled the carburetors apart and put a tiny, tiny little washer. Yeah, so he shimmed, shimmed the needle. They shimmed the needle and... The shim actually was making it run rich. Everybody thought, oh, it sounds like a lean condition. Might be a lean condition. Hey, you ever heard it might be a lean condition? No, it was definitely running rich. And the backfire seems to be totally gone now. Uh, next up for bid, we're finally, finally getting a motorcycle trailer. Going to have a motorcycle trailer today on the way to your house for your garage night. Yeah, oh, yeah, that's right. You're coming up tonight. Um, yeah, it's courtesy of uh, Aaron, who uh, runs the Wisconsin Off-Highway Motorcycle Association, or WOMA. Give him a plug there. So what about you, man? What's going on in uh, the world of Travitron 5000? Significantly less going on in my world. Uh, for those, I guess, who aren't following following us on Facebook, I got uh, sick about a month ago uh, with a uh, rare condition called Ramsey Hunt Syndrome. Basically, I got shingles in my head, and it uh, damaged the nerves in my inner ear and my face. So paralyzing the left side of my face and uh, damaging my inner ear function. So I've uh, been having a lot of trouble with balance, and I've uh, been doing therapy to recover that. So unfortunately, I haven't been able to ride, uh, despite the couple of nice breaks in weather that we've had here this spring in the Midwest. Um, so that's really frustrating. Uh, I mean, for the first couple of weeks, I could barely walk. So it's getting better. I'm up and doing stuff and uh, running some errands and, you know, doing doing mostly regular stuff. Just driving and riding motorcycles is kind of out for right now. But, uh, you know, trying to do that. Had the, uh, got an exercise bike. So trying to stay active and uh, be fit as best I can without uh, the ability to run or ride a real bicycle. Um, I also, uh, as far as motorcycle stuff, I put a uh, USB port on the big one. Um so for mounting a uh, phone or other devices easily, so it's right up on the gauge cluster. Which one did you end up getting? Uh, I had like a Bike Master one, so it's kind of like the big round one. Um, so it's got a water, uh, waterproof um, you know, rubber seal over the top of it when you're not using it. Um, it has like a handlebar mount, or you could, if you had a fairing, it'd be pretty easy to do into a fairing, but I don't. I was also out of handlebar space. <laughs> you got a lot going on. You got the, you got the hand grip covers and the... And the heat of grips covers. There's already so much stuff. Like, you can only put so much on your handlebars, so. Coffee espresso machine. It's almost a Goldwing. <laughs> it's a Goldwing with no fairing. Everything just bolted onto the handlebars. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so I just kind of, like, stuck it up on the, uh, between the two, the two gauges under the windscreen. So I have that little fly screen on there, and it fits right, nestles in real nice right there. And then I uh, have the, I got picked up an FCR, uh, a kind hand SCR slide carb for the uh, DRZ. I need to, uh, it was a used one I got through like a junkyard sale on eBay, but considerably less, they usually cost about 500 bucks. So I got this for, for considerably less than that. And I um, need to go through and clean that up and make sure it's jetted and put new uh, vacuum hoses and stuff on it. What is the benefit to that again? Oh, uh, it's a pumper carb. Um, so it's like the off-road version of the carburetor so you have the cv carb so when you uh when you open it it just opens as opposed to um when you are with a vacuum carb when you open the, th the throttle body uh the vacuum from the intake actually lifts the the slide up and so this is direct like when you turn the throttle it lifts the slide and it, it 
squirts gas like right to the intake so you get more a uh, little bit more horsepower and you get better throttle response makes wheelies easier <laughs> so then i imagine that's probably better when you're going over bumpy terrain and sideways type stuff too right yeah when you're trying to like lift the front end and go over logs or um do anything like that or do wheelies because if you have a drz the whole point is to do wheelies it can do wheelies right yeah it, it'll wheelie it takes it takes some effort and some skill to do it but uh it'll do it you have to you have to do clutch up wheelies <laughs> um but uh, and I also put heated grips on the DRZ because uh, that tends to be my winter riding bike. Um, so I just put some like cheapos I got at Cycle Gear on there and some new uh, grips. Um, nice. And I just I was lazy and I just hot wired them. So there's no they're just like right to the battery. There's no uh, relay or anything, uh, which is good. Well, one it saved me a lot of time and effort. Two, there's not really a lot of space to stick a relay in there. Um, and three, I don't care. So <laughs> nice, long, yeah. So as long as, that, as long as I remember the, to turn the switch off. I was thinking about how, like, is there the vampire issue? Is what you're referring to? Like, is there any vampiring when you're when you're parked or tendering? Only if I forget to turn them off. Yeah, right. I mean, at, that's, at which yeah. point the smell of like burning rubber might be a giveaway. <laughs> I know that with there are like uh, Burns Moto was the guy that I used to get all of my USB ports from for you know using my phone for navigation. And his, even though it was just a USB port, if you ran it direct to the battery, nothing plugged in, it would still suck power off the battery. Yeah, the uh, the USB port I have on the big one does that because it's got a little LED on it. Yeah. Um, Did you run it to like the, the the running lights or anything? No, I just ran it straight because I'm lazy. Um, <laughs> but it, uh, I figure that little LED is going to draw about as much juice as like a, if you have a, a modern bike that has a digital odometer on it yeah it's going to pull about that much juice so nice um yeah like one little blue led isn't going to isn't going to kill the bike unless it sits for six months off a tender you know yeah but uh and then i did install a relay system and ran wires to put td grips on the weiss buell blast nice Uh, i just haven't gotten around to actually putting the grips on because then i got sick so well going the relay route that'll really up the resale value it'll make it a lot more like i did this right I know she was talking about how eventually down the line, you know, she's, she's ready to go in whatever direction she's ready to go in. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, now she is, but you know, we need money. Of course. Of course. But the point is that like the way you're going about her bike versus your own, it's like this <laughs> one's ready to be resold if necessary. Yeah. Um, yeah. I might uh, put a relay or I do have um, like the whole relay box set up. I could do that for the USB port, but also I wanted it to, um, my other reason behind that is I want to be able to like charge my phone mm-hmm. off the bike when, sure. like when you're camping or something, you know? Yeah. It's all low voltage. It doesn't really do any harm. Yeah. Know? It's not going to kill your battery for like a couple hours of charging your phone or whatever. So yeah. the, um, yeah, whatever, you know, two, uh, two, whatever, uh, a cell phone battery is like, you know, 280 milliamp hours. <laughs> nice. It's not going to, it's not going to drain your battery on your uh, on your motorcycle well are, are you ready for me to blather on about today's topics uh yeah you can uh, take over and uh, talk about uh the uh various and i'll chime in with my brilliance <laughs> thank you travis with the backup um zen and the art of motorcycle maintenance not everybody sees that book as one of the greatest they've ever read but the fact is is that it's a powerful piece of literature that has had some influence on people uh, for better or worse, uh, I thought it was a brilliant book myself, especially if for no other reason that the author was not only a motorcyclist, but a really well-educated philosopher and psychologist, if I remember. Was that it? Was he a psychologist? Uh, kind of more of a philosopher. He might have been a psychologist by profession, but the book, the book is more of a philosophy book. 
And I think his his other stuff was kind of more. His other um, books are are philosophy. Um, yeah, like Zen and the Art of the Motorcycle Maintenance is a motorcycle book. The way like Harry Potter is about broomsticks. <laughs> you know, it's like they're there and they play play a key role, but it's really more about philosophy than it is like about motorcycles. The motorcycle trip is the conduit for the bigger. Uh, philosophical adventure. Sure. He took something that was a conduit for him personally and used it as sort of a reflector to express a perspective on some topics that were central to the entire book. Well, he passed on not long ago and I pay my, you know, Godspeed and Farewell is a book that I'm going to have to reread just for the sake of better understanding it and knowing that the author is now gone. The uh, sort of point of that whole novel is that you know defining that balance between like you know the rational mind and the creative mind um and sort of the trip that he goes on to sort of uh, reconcile those two things and there're just some really great uh, little vignettes in there too that have little lessons like the guy who has the BMW and his handlebars get loose and you can't the clamps are stripped out so you can't actually tighten the, the handlebar clamps anymore and he's like oh you need to get a shim you just need to get a shim um, he's like, oh, where do I get these shims? And he just <laughs> he cuts open a beer can. He's like, here we go, soft aluminum. It's thin. It's perfect. Yeah. And the guy, and the guy, and the guy, the BMW owner guy's like, oh no, I need to take it to the dealership and get get a proper shims shim and get yeah. a get a twenty dollar piece of beer can aluminum put in instead of a free. That's piece the of kind beer of situation you could use. You could use shrink wrap tubing. <laughs> yeah. So just that 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 sort of unbalancing of like the mechanical and creative. Um, and like understanding how how those things sort of work, and then being creative to resolve mechanical requirements. Sure, I, I remember uh, in the vintage motorcycle groups when I brought up that I was reading that book, a couple people chimed in that were I don't know why they called it Zen and the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance. They they don't mention motorcycling enough, and I think my response was because calling it Zen and the Art of I hope my son doesn't have the same manic bipolar breakdowns that I do doesn't quite flow as well on the cover of the book. Um, Segwaying into another death, though, we don't exactly have the largest podcast listenership, but anybody who knows me well enough knows that my college diploma, it's its in music. Not that that alone means anything, but- So is mine. We're both musicians who just love motorcycling, and that's worked out thats worked out well. So um, my, my college years in music were quite fun, for lack of a better term, and in that time- one of my prideful moments uh, was playing with three great musicians, uh, Andrew Scordy and John Arthur Gentry Jr. and Jeff Steinau in a little band called Da Lemmings Ensemble. They changed names a lot every time there was a cast shift. And my tenure with that band put us on stage with some pretty great musicians. Not in a parallel sense, but most, most, of, most of all, just an opportunistic sense. And one of those opportunities that we seized uh, put us arm in arm with Colonel Bruce Hampton, um, also known for Colonel Bruce Hampton in the Aquarium Rescue Unit. He appears in Sling Blade, uh, and, he's, uh, and he's, he actually uh, used to work with Derek Trucks a lot, helped inspire him. Uh, if you look, at, look his name up, you'll find a lot of stars and musicians that they considered him to be royalty of sorts. He was the, the guy that they were all, always naturally just in awe of because his personality was so big and he did so much good and presented so much positive energy for musicians everywhere. The Aquarium Rescue Unit bassist, Otiel Burbridge, he's now with the Almond Brothers, for example. And that happened partially in due to not, not just due to his incredible talent, but because Colonel Bruce Hampton, he, he knew a guy. All these amazing things. And so, again, if you listen to Robin's Road Ruckus, if you go to the site, theridingobsession.com, and you scroll down to the bottom of the page, on the very bottom left, you'll see Robin's Road Ruckus. Well, 
I've cleared the slate on Robin's Road Ruckus, and it is all, the every song is Colonel Bruce Hampton or Colonel Bruce Hampton and the Aquarium Rescue Unit. And that's going to stay that way all month. So if you want to listen to some really great tunes that you may or may not have ever heard, go to theridingobsession.com, scroll down to the bottom, click on Robin's Road Ruckus for Spotify, and just have at it, folks, because if you've never heard of the man, it's your loss. So fill that void and learn something you've never known before. On to other things. Okay, so it, another thing that happened, Travis, I didn't really tell you about, and I, I'd love your input on this a little bit. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to flip my notes around here. Had an opportunity to go for a ride with some friends, and one of those friends had a nasty, nasty crash. There'll be no names. This person has my respect. This person is a, is a seasoned rider who just had a, had a flub, and it went south hard. Uh, they're okay, and the bike's being repaired, um, but a conversation came into play later down the line. I, you know, this person's going to be going on a tour with me, and I, I was like, you know, I, we're going to have to have a little chat because y- you can't be doing that on the tour. Otherwise, we're going to have to leave you behind, and you'll get no refunds. And so this person agreed to get together with me and have a little discussion about some things that I feel I'd like to re-mention just because I feel like even the most seasoned riders who have the the gumption to take a curve hard, they might want to re- be reminded of a few minor details, and you feel free to to compliment these phrases, it started with, uh, you know, I was, I think you remember Greg White, of course, right? You know, he's an amazing writer. Yeah. Were you, were you with us when he led us and we ended up behind that, we almost, there was that massive, massive uh, fuel truck? Uh, I don't know, was that, was that Ozarks last year? Yeah, I think it was Ozarks. I don't think it was Brown County, but I just remember, I'll go through these really quick. Let's see if I can actually be effective at getting through these super fast. I'm behind Greg. Greg's leading the ride. There's five of us. We come up on a blind curve to the left. Greg disappears. Oh, yeah, yeah. The, uh, we're, yeah, we were coming up, and then the it was hilly, wooded. <clears throat> we come up. The road approaches a river. Yeah, with like, and it's just like there's a giant. There's a we're on this tiny two lane like back road, and there's a there's a freeway sized sign. Yeah, the freeway sign a freeway sized like you know maybe six feet across, corner to corner. Of like and you just arrow, don't see that out arrow there. Arrow left, and then that is on top of like a twenty foot wide, like red and white slashed, like <laughs> warning, like it turns it's left. It's really blind. out of place. Like it, yeah. it's, it may as well have said warning. Life flight is still even far away. You know. Yeah, because on the other side of that sign, there was a thirty foot drop into a river. And so he, we've all got our Cenas on our our uh, our audio interfaces. Greg disappears around the corner. I'm probably doing 65, 70, you know, we're in the spirited. And then I hear this, Robin, stop. And I'm like, I, I don't know what he said, but you know, I, I, I see the sign. I know I need to slow down. But as I approach the top of the hill, he clearly says, Robin, stop at the top of the hill, total stop and tell everybody behind you to stop. But at that point, I'm just, I'm just a little bit too deep in the corner. I, I'm not going to be able to warn anybody. And I see this massive fuel truck that is crossing this one lane bridge. It is not your normal sized 18 wheeler. This, the truck as like the extra big tires that are intended to like go through deserts and noise. And it's got all this gasoline. It was huge. Um, and it wasn't a snub nose either. It wasn't like a city truck. It had the long nose. Um, and so the point, my, the moral of this one section is that be ready even when things are serene. Pay attention to the signs. Do not rely on your tech. You can use tech to your heart's content, but don't rely on it. It is not what you, it's not what it's there for. It's a compliment to your ride, not a resort. Next. The Mark Wells turn. I was on my 400 Seca. I was a new rider second year in, and I'm following a guy on a GSXR. He's been riding for years. 
we're we're again following Greg and I think Con- Joe Conrari. I'm behind Wells and Wells gets a little bit behind. So he notices that those guys turn around a corner and he, he's kind of like checking his phone for a second. He's like, all right, boop. And then I see him gun it and take off. He's like, okay, cool. And I'm going to catch up. I'm like, oh, well, I, I mean, well, then we're going to go now. I'm, I gun it too on my little Seika 400 and I wind it out and I'm having a great time. Again, doing about 70, 75 into this blind hillside curve. Now, about 50 yards up, there's Mark Wells. Mark Wells turns his head to look through this blind corner. And then what is him turning his head becomes him looking up because he has to compensate for that he may have had a a little bit too much entry speed. So he has to lean the bike super low and go MotoGP low. And he's literally looking up through the turn. That's how his right turn looks. Well, on a 1982 Seika, you can't do that. And so I ended up going in really hot, really hot. And it's a, a decreasing radius turn, which means it's getting tighter and tighter and tighter. And I end up in oncoming traffic. Luckily, there is none. But the point is, I felt the peg scrape. I felt the exhaust scrape. I felt the bike deciding whether or not it was going to slip out from underneath me. And I was fortunate enough to survive that event. Again, that was a long time ago. But the point is, the person ahead of you is not a predictive example for anything. You do not rely upon the person in front of you. Um, uh, Unless they suddenly stop. Unless they suddenly stop. Maybe then you might want to consider there might be an issue. Um, They are not They cannot decide for you how you operate your machine in any given curve. Don't watch what they do and decide that that's how you're going to do what you're what's coming up. Um, uh, The other truth is it's a blind curve. I shouldn't have been going that fast in the first place. Imagination and assumption have no place in the ride. All right, they have a place in the design of your bike, sure, but when you're riding, assume nothing and don't imagine what things are going to be and then act on that imaginative result. Kind of bringing back uh, Zen and the art of motorcycle maintenance. If you do want a book that is all about motorcycling, David L. Huff's Proficient Motorcycling? Proficient Motorcycling. I was trying to remember. And he does have another one too. That's a bike. That's a book that's completely about motorcycling, technical riding, and safety. It's called Proficienter Motorcycling or More, Morally Proficienter. <laughs> morally Proficienter Motorcyclage. Mm-hmm. That brings me to the next point is that the, the, uh, the writer in question like I said, they're they're a good writer, and and they've they're beating themselves up more than I any other person could ever beat them up um, about this particular issue. Um, but like I said, it's inspired. And one thing I get to is even even with track days, speed isn't a goal. Speed is a result. Speed is not a goal. Or if if it is a goal, reaching for it isn't the way to get it. Um, you you want to learn while you're riding. And you, you want to ride well within the boundaries of your current skill set. As a result, you'll become faster. So I've learned to avoid riding beyond like the 66% mark of whatever knowledge I might think I have the grasp of. Um, this is known among the safety minded as having a good skill to risk offset. And that, that's like only riding up to 66% of whatever talent you have. If you think, you, if you think to yourself, oh, well, I'm going really fast, you're going too fast. Because because as you if you focus on you know be patient and focus on developing your skills, that um, threshold will will continue to grow. So if you have the skills, you it won't seem like you're going fast, even though you are going faster. Yeah, it'll it'll happen naturally. You know, ask Travis about his trip to the Ozarks. I mean, I already knew Travis was an incredibly good rider. After the Ozarks, he was like, "No, I'm better now." Like it was pretty impressive. Yeah, and two, it's kind of like right. I was. I mean, I was. It's just it's just like when you work out or you develop any other skill, right? You wanna you wanna be on sort of the edge of what you're capable of. You know, you're whatever lifting weights, like you wanna be able you wanna be able to lift the weights, but you want it to be slightly challenging. 
And that's kind of how the Ozarks were. It was like, okay, I'm, it's maybe everyone's going a little bit faster than me, and that's okay. I'm not going to try to go as fast as them, but I'm going to try my best to sort of keep up within the limits. But by the end of the weekend, that that limit had had increased. Yeah, and, and nobody's going to leave you behind. Nobody's expecting you to. Nobody's. You got nothing to prove. Uh, you know, it, the same thing goes for uh, mechanical operation of the machine. So even when I'm even when I'm wrenching, which anybody will tell you they should probably do my wrenching for me, but when, when performing any maintenance, you know, I was taught that. When I turn a wrench, I'll think in my own head, what's happening? What exactly is this doing? Not necessarily where I can see, but where I can't see. How is the bike responding beyond my line of sight when I turn this screw, turn that bolt, adjust that setting? What exactly is taking place? And it, it's a very same mindset in your throttle, your clutch, and your braking. Uh, you know, a twist of the throttle is the very same thing. Exactly in this in this situation at this pace and in this curve or straight, as I apply more throttle or more brake, exactly what is the behavior of the bike going to be? That That's a really good brass tacks rule to say, if you're not a little bit concerned, you're a whole lot dangerous. Yeah. And, and too, if you're in a group ride, it's a way bigger bummer for everyone else if you crash than if you're a little bit slower than everyone else. Yeah. Now this person laughed because when I told him that I was basically going to make them listen while I talked. It was because they they took up an entire day's ride out of my agenda. Yeah, because <laughs> you were what, like 10, 15 minutes into like an all-day ride? Seven miles. We were seven miles into the ride. It was a 250-mile ride. Uh, and, you know, the, that brings me to some things, some mistakes I've made as well. You know, some time ago, you, you were there when I hit the deer. Um, rider mindset is big. Um you know, it, the best writer's mindset would be assume the worst. Absolutely assume the worst. Every person on the road is trying to kill you. They, they see you coming. They're like, if I time this right, I can run this person over. You know, I can actually do this. This is a goal of the every. If you look at it that way, then you can be happy with the glimpses of what the writing should be when you get it. Enjoy the writing that is good, but be prepared for the absolute worst at all times. Um I know it sounds kind of paranoid, but if you get good at it, that's like a whole separate muscle. You know, there's there's a whole issue with how deer, how animals behave. Deer, if they have their butt towards you and they're on the other side of the road, they'll tend to jump back and go where the last location that they remember being safe was, which puts them right in front of your bike. I know it sounds stupid, but it's it's their logic. And so, and with dogs, if you see a dog, and Travis can account for this, he's seen plenty of this. He's dealt with it perfectly every time. You see a dog, it's coming at you from an angle because that's how they select the destination of the kill on their prey. But if you hit the brakes for a split second and then accelerate, they become confused and they look dumb and you escape. No problem. Okay, segueing from that, then there's just people. The Amish. If you see an Amish buggy ahead of you, squeeze in the clutch, roll off the throttle, coast by in as most silence as you can attain, and wave hello and once you're, you know, another 50 years ahead, you can proceed to ride. Don't spook the horses. Yeah, don't spook the horses. That's Travis nails it. Last thing, dirt. All right. Now, I would love to have somebody get this wrong so I can ask them the quiz question. But the fact of the matter is, all right, you're in the dirt. If you weren't in the dirt, ask yourself, what gear would I be in if this was pavement? Whatever gear that is, go up one gear and you'll be just fine so long as you relax and be loose and dance with the bike. Yeah, it's helpful too to uh, to shift your weight to your feet. You don't have to stand up, and that might be difficult depending on the ergonomics of your your bike. 
Um, obviously, if you have like a V-Strom or an adventure, adventure sport bike, it's probably easier to stand up. Um, but if you just kind of shift some weight to your feet, it moves your center of gravity down, and it's easier to let the bike kind of wiggle underneath you. Um, makes a big difference for, for that. And also, um, when you're turning, you know, don't, you're not going to want to like hang off the bike like you do when you have pavement. Um, you know, kind of dirt bike it, kind of move the bike underneath you, push the bike down underneath you to go through uh, corners, and it'll bite, bite a lot better. Travis, I'm going to... I'm going to leave it with you now. You got to talk about MotoGP. I, I want to watch MotoGP and rarely have time, but I love the concept of it. it. You say it's back in the U.S. There's ways to view it. Give us everything you got on the topic. I know Fox Sports uh, is carrying it again this year. So if you have that package on your cable, um, it's usually on like Fox Sports 1 or maybe Fox Sports 2 if there's something else more um, commercially viable going on. Uh, I think it's also on some weird channel called BN. I think it's called BN TV. Um, so if you get that, uh, I know I cut the cable a year or so ago, so I don't really have the option. Um, so there are some online options for it. You can go to MotoGP site and buy like a year pass. I think it's like a hundred and something dollars. Um, yeah, I wouldn't condone doing any illegal methods like uh, you know bit torrenting or anything like that. Because, you know, you can get pretty much whatever you want that way. But uh, the runningsession.com does not condone that behavior. Nor would we. Um, yeah. I have all the MotoGP so far this season, uh, Robin, when you come up. Um, legitimately. That I got legitimately. Just uh, Yeah, so if you want to watch MotoGP. Uh, also, um, AMA Superbikes, I think they put a lot of their stuff on YouTube. Um, so if you want to watch uh, you know, American sport bike racing, you can do that. Um, and also, you know, you can always go uh, look up the AMA schedule and maybe catch some racing in your region. I know they do race here in Wisconsin um, at uh, Road Americas in June, I think. i double-check the schedule. But there might be a live race you can go see in your area, um, and that's always a good time if you can get a whole weekend because there's always more than, uh, you know, there's always the, the top-level Grand Prix race, but there's always lots of lower races and fun to do as well. I like it. That's a great way to, like, have an excuse to get a designated driver and just drink your butt off inside the arena, yeah? Oh, uh, yeah. Well, what's cool about um, Road America is it's such a huge facility. It's like a 4.2-mile track. With, you can camp inside the carousel turn. You can get a camping site there. Um, so you, uh, I mean, obviously, you can like kind of ride your motorcycle if you show up there on a motorcycle around on most of it uh, to get to one end of the track or the other, which you need to do to see all of the track. Um, or... The fun thing to do is you bring a, a little moped and you can go. There's certain areas that you can, um, that are only foot traffic and I think sub 200 cc. There's like a sign like nothing over 200 cc's. Oh, Betty. We'd bring Betty our scooter, the 125. Yeah. Um, so you can get to like the, the back straight is to Canada corners is one of those paths. So, uh, you know, that way, you know, you're never going too fast and it's lots of fun and to some of the roads, some of the roads are gravel. So you don't really want to be on your, your big heavy touring bike, uh, around, slipping the clutch for 20 minutes, trying to avoid a bunch of pedestrians on gravel. I like it. And now it's on to our guest interview. This month's guest interview features Travis's Garage Night. Everybody at Travis's Garage Night has been anxiously awaiting their opportunity to be interviewed by the Writing Obsession. So we're going to go around to each and every person who's attending and ask them all sorts of questions that pertain to things that involve opposable thumbs, if not motorcycling. Does Iron Butts and Frozen Bodies? There's some amazing... Yes. 
I, you might end up in the podcast. Iron butts and frozen bodies. Um, he was saying that there's some amazing roads, but there's three of them because each one is a mountain pass. Here, like in the Driftless, you've got all these different roads. It's just like a plate of spaghetti, you know, and you don't. And they're not patrolled. <laughs> the three roads that go over the mountains in Colorado are going. They're going to have cops on them. It was a good panel. There's probably like 50 old white guys there. <laughs> Wasn't there? Uh, well, Becky was there too. Yeah, she she was on the panel, and she was probably there's probably like three women there. Oh, that's good. And um, interesting thing, when you have a room full of middle to older age white men, there were more cell phones going off in this room than like. I've ever heard before, and they have like the worst ring ringtones. If you want to be my lover, and they can't turn them, they can't turn them off. It probably happened 15 times. Right. I feel like the requisite piece of equipment for a long distance uh, ride is the high back backrest. You know, high everything too. Yeah. Sissy bar. Sissy bar. Thank you. I've heard it called other things. I would call it sissy bar. Um, although I feel like you can't find them. You need to really like. Stick one out or make your own. Yeah, you know what I mean. Get the so, rat tail one. I, I'm tempted. I, I'm tempted to actually add one. I think I could like add one on here, like ridiculously high, you know. Oh yeah, uh, welded on or bolted in. Well, I think I could take the pad off here and then like you know put one like that high and you know stack your luggage. Twist it. Yeah, twist it on there. Like I tie my tent to it, you know. Uh, get your duffel. And your Mexican blanket. Yeah, Mexican blanket. Need that. Uh, Actually, that goes on the front. A drug rug. Yeah, don't forget your Mexican blanket shirt. Don't forget, don't forget the Mexican blanket. The blanket has the warmth of Mexican sunshine. (laughs) For New Mexico, which is going to be my eventual destination. Uh, Yeah. I think I can make one out of uh, out of copper pipe. You know what I mean? It wasn't like, strong enough, though. <laughs> well, I mean, you get the thicker wall stuff, right? Maybe. Possibly. Maybe. I think that'd be the easiest to bend. Or you could just make use fitting. So you go up, over, and down again. It's like an erector set. Yeah, yeah. Or I bet you that even better. And, and you could like you could uh, solder this for strength. You keep cutting to make little. So, like, so, little so it'd be like a super shitty roll cage and like a, a yeah, bunch of race Why not? You know. If it's gonna be this is gonna look like a hoopty, you might as well go all out, you know? I don't want motorcycles for fashion. Functionality. Sir. Functionality. Functionality. Yeah. I, I can't tell how serious you're, you're being about the sissy part. <laughs> I'm kind of half serious. <laughs> I maybe have watched a little too much Easy Rider. Maybe, I don't know. Look at the beard. It's yeah, obvious. Obviously. Yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't get a sissy bar. Maybe for my wife's comfort too. She's always like, my back is too, you know, I don't have the lean back. You don't have enough, yeah. Yeah, and I you told get a her, top case on it. Well, I told her, I was like, I could do a thing, you know. Yeah. Um, I want to. It's on my phone, man. I think it's on the bike. I could show you a pic- like a picture of my old Suzuki with the. Did you have a sissy bar? It was. It was more like the. Uh, I called it like the oven oven rack. <laughs> it had this big like you know square thing on the back and a, and a big backrest. And the backrest had you could like move it forward and back. It was on. Yeah. Oh. No. So. So. There's the, a hoe back. What the what the old dudes would do is they would put it all the way forward, 
so then they could use it. And then when, the, when your baby got on, you could move, move the backrest <laughs> oh, back. Oh, so he'd ride it himself. Yeah, so oh, wow. it was... It was that would take quite a bit of engineering. I, I, I'm sure I could make that happen. Because it, it was like this. This oh, yeah. moved on that. Oh, yeah. On the rail, yeah. That's like what supporters Goldwing is like. Has that like rail that goes all the way along? Yeah, I don't know how I feel about riding this uh, Triumph long distance. I mean, you not, know. not with that seat. Yeah. Well, I don't know. The seat's all right. I have a fat ass, so it's actually not too bad. <laughs> I, I just put my bicycle pan, pan, panniers on, on these rails, and that's what I used on my, on my first tour. And then I used my uh, backpacking like you know. Bag on the back. Exactly. Ridiculously tall is the key. You know what I mean? Yep. The taller the better. Uh, for absolutely no purpose. Eight hangers. Eight hangers except for Mike Kong. And that was our interview. So on to our listener questions. Tom Burns, who's asked, he's written for the site and asked us questions before. Tom Burns has a question on mid-travel chain cleaning. He writes, Hey Robin, I bought some Motul chain paste, which seems pretty conducive to long-distance riding, but I haven't found a solution for keeping my chain clean. What do you use on a longer road trip? I've never gone away for more than four days. I actually talked with him about this after the fact. And we, you know, it's like, why not bring some kerosene? But then again, it's like more liquid volume in your luggage. Your luggage. <laughs> I'm going to leave that. Luggage. <laughs> yeah, well, it might end up as luggage if it springs a leak. Yeah, uh, right. Um, yeah, I mean, hauling a, well, I mean, I could see if you have the space, hauling a little sealed, secure thing, a kerosene might not be terrible. Because uh, then, too, if you're camping, you have fire starter. But um, uh, WD-40 is good. That's basically kerosene and is a little more compact and you can get it wherever. So, I mean, if you're if you're doing that, you know, grab the little can of WD-40, you get maybe one or two cleanings out of it, um, and then just stop at any any store and pick up a new can while you're on the road. Yeah, um, and I brought that up. He was worried about the whole theory about the O-rings and it getting behind it to the, the grease, but I no. I remember them testing that so extensively that it's just not threatening. Yeah, it's, it's, it's basically kerosene with, like, wax and rust inhibitors in it so it's kind of better for your chain than kerosene um yeah and there was uh, there's a video online where they took um yeah they took o-rings out of a chain put them in a little cup filled the cup up with wd-40 and it was fine um you know what about they, the grease behind the o-rings oh yeah i mean assuming it doesn't get down in there i mean it'll just stay in there and it'll evaporate so it shouldn't be and uh you know sort of depends what you're using for uh chain lubricant too because uh the chain paste i think comes in like a squeezy tube so it's thicker um but if you're using something that's like a spray on uh like i use the it was a jm1 or jb1 use a p pj blue pj1 blue pj that's a pj1 uh clear a pj1 blue um and then i use chain wax maxima yeah uh, but those have solvents in them. So, you know, you spray them on, you need to let them dry for like an hour. Uh, so you could actually just hit it with that, scrub it off while it's still wet, because that solvent is going to, you know, take off the old grease too, um, and then put a fresh coat of the grease on uh, and let it dry. Thank you for posting that question, Tom. And if anybody else would like to email your questions, feel free to send them to podcast at tro.email. That's podcast at tro.email. 
email or call 224-358-3010. That's our direct line. And now it's time for uh, this, this week's, week's Moto Moto brought, brought to you by, to you by the point. Super Slick Honda uh, Motorcycle Mega Positive Recovery Power. Um, uh, okay, th- this, this week's, week's Moto Moto brought, brought to you by, by the Super Slick Ultra Badass Motorcycle uh, Mega Positive Incredible power. The super slick, ultra badass motorcycle mega positive, incredible power. It's super slick, ultra badass, and as a side note, it's incredibly powerful. You got a lot of good stuff here, man. If you posted it, I'm going to let you talk about it. There's an Aerostitch open house. Yes. That's awesome. I don't know. I don't remember where that was or what dates it was. Yeah, but it is, it's, did it already happen? Typey, typey. Searchy, searchy. Googly, googly. Why don't the guys at the writing of session know all the answers? Well, because we're researchers too. Yeah. Okay. Aristotle, yeah. Open house is Saturday, May 20th, 8 to 4. So if you're able to get up to Duluth, Minnesota on the shores of the Lake Superior, the Gitchagumi, um, you can go in and talk to the guys and check out some stuff. They have some events going on. Uh, it is on their site, aristotle.com slash open hyphen house. If you want to check out what's going on there. And Minnesota, hey, I'm telling you right now, that is some boring writing. Well, you can take the, uh, depending on where you are, if you come through Wisconsin, there you go. Yes. That whole yes, side of Wisconsin. Yeah, that whole side of Wisconsin is good. Or if you're more of a cruiser scenic type, you can take the, uh, and you're coming from a little bit further south, uh, you know, take the Great River Road, follow the, uh, the Mississippi River up. Though so I did, I don't know if I mentioned in the last podcast, I got a set of their gloves. Um, the, uh, Elkskin gloves, the not the uh, not the original ropers, but the one up from that. Um, Are they Gore-Tex? No, they're just leather. They're just elkskin leather. Uh, they are pretty awesome. They're super comfortable. Um, yeah, I didn't get the gauntlets. Oh, I got the Arrow Stitch Competition uh, competition elkskin ropers. So they because they have a Velcro seal and they have an extra layer of protection on the knuckle. Um, and they also have a thumb wiper visor guy. Uh, and they're just, you put them on, they're like silky soft, smooth, great, good fit. I think they're going to be awesome this season. Next item up for bid. Uh, our own John Raidermarker is selling his 2002 Suzuki Bandit 1200, which that's one year off of my same generation version of the very same model. And I can tell you right now that if I were to buy his bandit, which I was tempted to, my own favorite bike in the garage would become the parts bike to this bike. That's how good it is. So if you're interested, go to cycletrader.com and look up 2002 Suzuki Bandit. He's selling his for 2,900 bucks. And let's see here. We're talking about a semi-fared bike with 30K miles on it, 30,000. It's got a lot of upgrades. It's fully jetted. It's basically the GSXR 1100 motor that's been retooled and retuned. It's got a whole shot stage one jet kit for plus 11 horsepower, the Delkovic slip-on exhaust for another 12 horsepower, a throttle position sensor, uh, which pushes the bike well beyond its stock 98 horsepower rating. It's never been on a dyno, but these upgrades put the power in excess of 120 horsepower. It's got the Hayabusa rear monoshock, which I use. It's a lot more comfortable. Progressive front uh, fork springs, Belay aluminum handlebar risers, which are two inches up and two inches back, a Corbin two-up seat, extended windshield like mine, uh, belay rider foot pegs. It's got full GV luggage and SW Motec quick release hardback mount so you can convert it square to, you know, just a naked sport bike again. 12 volt SAE outlet on the left side cover and the SAE pigtail on the handlebars for heated gear. Auxiliary LED cornering lights and LED high and low beam projector lamps. He and I went in on that because he had to buy them in twos. Ultra bright LED turn signal lamps, relay controlled 120 decibel air horn, much like mine. 
He's got the Pilot Road 3s on there. <clears throat> Pilot 4s are better. Uh, he's got the OEM tank bra, the SAA pigtail, and the battery for winter maintenance charging. And he's also got the stock seat, muffler, carb jets, left side cover, windshield, extra turn signals, rear shock, fork springs, and underseat toolkit. It's all there for $2,900. I can't, I can't hype this bike any further than that. It's a great purchase for anybody who wants to buy it. Travis would get it. But then he'd feel like people would know how much he wants to be like me. Yeah, I know. I'd get like four inches chopped out of my like shins just so I could be the same height. <laughs> um, what's next? Next item up for bid. Oh, the U-turns made easy video, man. I played that for the wife. You know, my wife is my my wife is a formidable rider. She's a good rider, but she gets so nervous with like tight corners because she's on a sport bike. She's got that that curve of the earth turning radius. Yeah. Well, too, it was uh, kind of like Moto Gimkana techniques of uh, using uh, you know, a little bit of rear brake to slow the bike down so it leans more and will corner tighter and then you can throttle out of it. So you almost kind of like lean the bike, kind of like a control fall to make the tight corner and then you know, then you can throttle out to do that like Moto Gimkana kind of turn. I got to try that on the Hawk GT. Yeah. I'd try it on the, uh, the DRZ or something I could pick up when I can... I have enough balance to actually ride a motorcycle again. It's coming. You know you'll be riding soon. All right, next up for bid. Everything on a UJM that's easy is to work on is hard to work on on a Triumph and vice versa. So to get to my spark plugs, I have to go through a bunch of circuits to lift up the tank so I can get to the airbox. But I got to remove the airbox, which has many, many bolts and circuitry to it, just to get to- The coils. The coil. Thank you. Coil unplug, I, yeah. And there's like a trick to it where you got to use a zip tie and then, but then like to get the front tire off the front wheel is just like remove one brake, remove one bolt, zing, except I got to suspend it from the freaking ceiling. Yeah. The, uh, yes, uh, the, the plus and con of like a, a race derived bike and a, and a not to race right. Cause that's the thing about the, um, the big one that I like is it does, uh, the brakes on that are derived from the CBR, uh, of the era of the early nineties. So yeah, you just like pull out one pin and you don't have to take the wheel off to, to change the brake pads. You just like pull out the cover, pull out the pin, and they just slide out from the top of the caliper. Beautiful. See, simplicity is good. Keep them simple. That race derived, you know, we need to get to this to change it on a track. Which you, they're not going to change the spark plugs on the track on the Triumph. So they bury them in there <laughs> under the airbox. Yeah. That's why the, the love-hate relationship I have with buying maybe a Super Duke GT is, you know, it's all about the, the difficulty of getting into its, its uh, maintenance would be probably beyond my, my current scope of knowledge yeah i mean i feel like almost any modern bike there there's bikes are going the way of cars where they're just packaging them all so tight um and there's you know so much so much tech and so much other stuff going into them that and again the more the more performance oriented you get the the more complex those engines get it's like the uh the yamaha inline fours the sport you know the r1 and r6 derived engines have two sets of injectors for each cylinder nice yeah so basically it comes with new maintenance frustration technology <laughs> exactly uh let's see i know that our own kevin mulcahy posted about how lake michigan's passenger ferries their no motorcycles can ride free yeah i actually pulled this up you know before we talked about it so i have this information smart man <laughs> so uh well, lake express uh which is the uh the ferry that goes across lake michigan um during the spring and fall there's no charge for your motorcycle uh, which means that you still have to buy like your passenger fare. So when you cross on the ferry, you pay like a vehicle charge and then you pay a passenger charge because you can't ride with your vehicle. Um, they like strap it down and, and you have to ride in the cabin. Um, but you don't have to pay the uh, the motorcycle fee and that's from April 28th to June 15th and then September 5th to October 23rd. Um, 
So you, they're waiving the, the actual motorcycle fee. You just have to buy the passenger ticket, which I think is like 60 bucks. Okay, very good. And then uh, last week, thing we got on the list for this particular segment is, which one of you listeners has Travis's copy of Long Way Round? We know one of you, if you just, he loaned it to somebody. Yeah, I loaned it to somebody when I was really laid up there and not able to like walk and basically just couch, couch bound. Um, I was like, man, I want to rewatch Long Way Round. Oh, crap, they removed it from Netflix. Oh, well, I have the DVD. He doesn't. Nope, someone someone has it. So whoever's got it, there you go. Well, Give it back. Yeah, he wants it back. Make it happen. All right, and that is our podcast for this month. Again, we're always looking for sponsors for this podcast. Sponsors are given three focus mentions towards the start, middle, and end of their designated episode. Their contributions are put towards bettering the program's content and recording equipment. Tune in next time for more discussion on all things specific to sport touring or universal motorcycling as a whole. For the RoddingObsession.com, I'm Travis Burleson. And I'm Robin Dean. Safe travels, everyone. That's our episode for this round. Tune in next time for more discussion on all things specific to sport touring or universal to motorcycling as a whole. For the RoddingObsession.com, I'm Robin Dean. I'm Travis Burleson. Safe travels, everyone.